Well, we've been doing uh, a series on vision. And really, I want to return. This may be the last week of this particular series, but I am thinking of moving on to looking at the book of Nehemiah, potentially, and, and the practical outworking of vision. I mean, that is a brilliant, inspirational book, the book of Nehemiah. But this might be the last week, and I want to return to our first verse, which is Proverbs chapter 29, verse uh, 18. I think it's 18, isn't it? Yes, where there is no uh, vision... The people perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. And this whole sense of uh, needing to live life from a place of vision, from a place of seeing a preferred tomorrow, not just living hand to mouth in the day to day, but actually lifting our eyes and seeing what could be and how God has, uh, we've been looking right through the series, how God has moved on people right through scripture to, to get us to lift our eyes and see something something for tomorrow that empowers us, stirs us, encourages us, fills us with faith to move forward. So I hope that at some point in this series, come on, we've been on this track for five weeks. This is the sixth week. Hopefully at some point vision's begun to spark in your heart. If it hadn't already, and I know that many people would already be living and operating out of vision, and I pray that, that this series has really empowered that. Uh, and so I want to speak into it today in a very practical way. We're going to get really, really practical. I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey. We're going to look at two things that are pretty negative and two things that are really positive when it comes to vision. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm just warning you. We're going to talk about some difficult stuff. Then we're going to talk about some great stuff. Okay, don't look quite as keen now, but yeah, you're getting there. Oh, gee, you guys, it must be the cold weather, eh? Everyone's awake. Everyone's awake this morning. Uh, Sue and I have got and were given uh, our favourite pot plant a while ago. It's a fiddle leaf fig. Does anyone know what a fiddle leaf fig is? And they've got these big leaves and, and when they're healthy... I mean, they just look amazing. They're just this beautiful, lush sort of a looking plant. And when it was given to us, it was beautiful and lush looking, you know. And, and it stayed that way for a little while. And then at some point, I'm not sure why, we decided to move it. And we moved it and leaves fell off it and leaves turned brown and died and was like, oh boy. And so we thought maybe we need to water it. So we watered it. And then more leaves fell off. And so we stopped watering it. It doesn't matter what we do with this plant. Thankfully, it's, still like, it's always got like three leaves that survive. And I think they're keeping everything alive. But every time, a, you know, every time a new one grows, another one dies. We have no idea what we're doing. We don't know whether we're feeding it or we're killing it. We have no idea. And there's nothing worse in life than having no idea what you're doing. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Is this the direction? Is that the direction? Come on, parents. Parents know what that's like. Is this the right decision to make for my kid? I just don't know whether this is the right decision or not. Is this the right direction or not? And we all face that stuff in life. And we certainly do with vision. And I think sometimes we, we don't know what's killing our vision. And we don't know what's feeding our vision. Uh, we, we just sort of live life and it sort of unfolds. And if we're not careful, we're quite unintentional. 
And, uh, and I think that the, you know, the laws of thermodynamics, the second law of th thermodynamics, that everything's in a state of regression, really, unless it has external forces to prop it up. I think that takes over if we're not careful. If we live unintentionally, things wind down. And our vision's exactly the same. And there's some things that kill vision, and there's some things that feed vision. So I want to speak to us today about, and I've got a really fancy title today. I'm actually proud of this one. <laughs> Nurturing vision amongst assassins and thieves. <laughs> How good's that? Nurturing vision amongst assassins and thieves. So maybe a less cool name is whether you're killing your vision or feeding it. It's pretty well what I'm looking at today. And uh, I'm going to skip through some stories, as I said. We're going to start in a difficult spot. But we, we need to go here. Because this can really hinder us. The first thing that's going to, it's, it's going to assassinate your vision is you. <laughs> it's you. Is actually uh, a lack of self-control. Sarah Trojan spoke brilliantly about self-control. <laughs> uh, a week ago or so, it's worth getting the podcast, a message just about self-control. But there's a phenomenal example of this in Samson. Samson was born to be a Nazarite, separated to God. He, he was born to be in somehow a man of greatness. And he was born with all the attributes he would need in an oppressed nation that was oppressed by their enemies, that was continuously being uh, pummeled and pillaged. He is born as an incredibly strong man. We're not sure whether his strength was just brute force by his physical strength or whether it was a supernatural thing. In scripture, it would seem to be a combination of both. But here's the point. He had everything to fulfill vision. There was no hindrance except for him. And we see very, very quickly in his story that he's got a real weakness of the flesh when it came to relationships with the wrong kind of people, the wrong kind of women. The first relationship he has, his mum and dad can see it's a disaster. And they urge him, don't go down this track. And yet he ends up in a relationship that causes pain and sort of God has to bail him out. His second relationship isn't sort of much better. It begins with the lady of the night and it gets messier and messier. His parents can see this is all headed in the wrong direction and continuously urge him. Any parents out there that are like, <laughs> you can see from your own experience it's not going to work, but he pursues that. It gets messier and messier. And then eventually he ends up with, you know, the famous story of Samson and Delilah. He ends up with Delilah. The problem with Delilah is, is that she's wearing the other team's jersey. She's actually, you know, part of the oppressing nation that God has called him. The vision is you will be a judge and a deliverer of God's people. And he ends up in a relationship with someone on the opposite side, which obviously compromises his convictions about what God has got for him. And we see through his life, and if you, we cut the story to the chase, because I've got four points today. This is just one of them. If we cut the story to the chase, you know, she pesters him, pesters him, finds out where his strength comes from, 
cuts his hair. He was a Nazareth, so they, Nazarite, so they didn't cut their hair. And that was where the supernatural connection with God was for his strength. And then his story ends so sadly. Listen to it. In uh, Judges chapter uh, 16, verse 20 through 21, And this is Delilah. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as before as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And then the Philistines took him and, listen to it, put out his eyes and brought him to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. And it's such a sad story because you have this guy whose parents had vision for him to dedicate him as a Nazarite, who God had obviously affirmed that decision and he had all the power he needed, whether it was in his literal physical strength or supernatural strength that would come upon him. He had everything that he needed to fulfil vision and deliver the nation and change the lives of many. But because he continued to do what he knew he shouldn't do, And and I just want to say to us, it can be exactly the same for us. No matter how strong your vision is, if you continue to do the things that you know you shouldn't do, or you continue to omit the things that you know you should do, it will actually take your vision from you. For Samson, it was literal. And he's a, a great example of that. Literally lost his eyes, but really that speaks to us far more about your ability to see with the eye of your spirit. And if we continue to push against, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our own life, the, the, the first casualty is our ability to see a preferred tomorrow. We begin to lose hope and like Samson, we can end up doing the daily grind. Notice he became a grinder in the prison where he just walked round and round in circles, pushing this big heavy beam as they ground the grain. And I don't know, but I come across so many people in life. I tell you, if you ever, if you ever catch yourself thinking this is the daily grind, it's an indicator you have no vision. If you're just living the daily grind, just pushing the wheel, here we go, another day, today will be just like yesterday, and around and around in circles we go. It's an indicator of a lack of vision. And he got there through a lack of self-control. You doing okay? Okay, let's look at another one, and then we're going to turn it around and head somewhere positive. Is that okay? Because you're all very quiet. Which is amazing because I know you're all manifested sons of God and none of you would ever do what you know you shouldn't do. (laughs) The wrong company. Vision destroys. These are the thieves. So number one, the assassin's you. (laughs) Two, thieves. The wrong company. These are vision destroys. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And, you know, this takes on a lot of different flavours. I think, number one, small-minded people. If you hang around small-minded people, people who are negative, then it is going to crush your vision because vision is about moving in faith. Vision is about being encouraged. Vision is about believing you actually can. But if you hang around small-minded people, you'll never, never do it. If you hang around people that can see a dark cloud on every silver lining, 
You will never get there. If you hang around people that can see a problem in every solution, you will never get there. You can, it's not that they're evil people. They're not wicked people. They're just small-minded people. Oh, that'll never happen. You're dreaming. You know the right answer to someone saying to you, you're dreaming. You know what the right answer is? Yes! I'm dreaming. You should try it. Actually dream of a preferred tomorrow. That things could change. That things could be different. So be careful. Vision destroys the thieves of the energy and the, vision, and the, the faith for vision are small-minded people. Uh, critical and sarcastic people. I've called these the, the conjoined twins of misery. The conjoined twins of misery. Listen to the definitions of criticism and sarcastic, or critical and sarcastic. Depreciatory and scornful. Depreciatory and scornful. Critical is depreciatory. In other words, it undervalues everything. Something that you might think is great. Oh, I'm pretty excited about this. This could turn out good. The, the critical person will pour cold water on hot vision. Even as it's rising in your heart, even in, in its infancy, you'll be starting to get excited. And someone will say, don't get too excited. Mm. I don't think that's going to happen for you. I think you're aiming a bit high. What, you? You think you're going to do that? And that depreciation will actually stop you in your tracks. These are the things that kill vision. And sometimes we don't even recognise it. Even the, the whole sarcastic nature. Listen to that scornful, you know, that biting sarcasm. And I know for, uh, as Aussies, you know, we have that sarcastic humour and it's a fine line between that sarcastic humour and actually sucking the oxygen out of someone else's vision. Yeah. Because they hear that hint of sarcasm and go, oh yeah, no, maybe I need to rethink that. Instead, we need to be with people that are going to lift us and encourage us and inspire us that if we can, we can. With man, it might be impossible, but come on, with God, all things are possible. So be careful of thieves. And the last one is, and this would be real quick, but uh, conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Which there tends to be a little bit of. That's why I thought I'd write it in here. Honestly, um, fear-mongering. You know, that whole fear-mongering thing. It's a government plot. Listen, if you're a conspiracy theorist, I'd have this to say to you, especially about our government. We, we are still struggling to get good broadband internet in places. <laughs> they could not roll out pink bats in our ceilings a few years ago without burning a few people alive in their homes. If you think that they can keep a conspiracy going, then you've got more faith in the government than I have in Jesus. <laughs> That's the way that I think about conspiracy. Can we just drop it? Just drop it and get a vision for tomorrow. Don't focus on the negative. Don't, don't allow critical people. Don't allow people that are going to make you think that the world's coming to an end. When it does, it'll be right when God knows it's meant to. That's all I can say. Aren't our lives in his hand? 
And at the end of the day, there's got to be an element of trust in us that moves toward a preferred tomorrow. I'm believing God for something. He's put something in my heart. No matter what's happened in the past, I can just picture a day tomorrow that's going to be different. And as tough as it might be right now, I'm moving towards it. And I certainly don't need small-minded people to box me back in. And I certainly don't need critical or sarcastic people to suck the oxygen out of my life. And the last thing I need is a conspiracy theorist who's carrying on about weird things. <laughs> Only half of you laughed, I'm worried. Okay. So I'm going to flip it here. Here's some vision feeders. If they're things that steal, let's get to the good stuff. Choose the right company. There's a vision feeder for you and get with the ultimate visionary. I mentioned this in passing last week, but honestly, hang out with the ultimate visionary. Get in a room with God. I love what Isaiah says, Isaiah 40. It says this, paints this picture of God. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. Man, you want to experience vision. Get with the greatest visionary of all. You want to know what vision is? You're living in it. We go outside and look up and you see that big blue expanse of sky. You see those beautiful trees hanging down, creating shade on a nice Toowoomba's day like today. Even the fog rolling in this morning, it's all part of just the imagination of God. And man, you want to know where to feed your vision? Spend some time with Him. And what about it being heavenly vision? Not, you know, I th- we, we need vision for all kinds of things. You need vision for your front garden. You need vision for a holiday. Whatever you need vision for. But what about actually going as far as getting heavenly vision? And I tell you, one of the best questions you can ask is get along, alone in a room with God and run your vision by him and ask this one question. Your vision for preferred tomorrow. Lord, why do I want that? Why do I want that? It's a motive question. And it will discern the difference between something that's just our own heart and something that God is birthing within us. Does that make sense today? Get alone with God and ask yourself that penetrating, honest question. Why do I want this really? What is this really all about? What is really going on inside my heart? And God is so well able to show us that, to reveal our own heart to us. Second thing is visionary people. Get alone with the the greatest visionary of all. Spend some time with visionary people. Instead of the negative crowd, the small-minded crowd, swap them for people who are actually doing something with their lives. Look around you. Look at people who have the kind of relationships that you want. Now, I'm not saying the friends that you want. That would be weird. The people that you want. And often we, we get this wrong because it's like, well, if I just had those people in my life, I'd be happy too. And this is what causes all the pain in school, teenage cliques right through life. Is actually wanting other people. No, no, what we should do is look at healthy relationships and go, I love the way that they relate. That's the kind of relationships I'd like to have. 
and then you'll find the right people for you instead of actually being envious of the people other people have got in their world. Does that make sense? Yeah. It can be a real trap to sort of go after, you know, that's the, that's the person I want in my world. No, no, no. Think about what kind, what do I want my relationships to look like? And then hang around people who do relationships like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, another application would be our marriages. Hang around someone who's got the kind of marriage. You don't want their spouse, but you want the kind of relationship that they've built. And you hang around a visionary person like that and you think, man, their life's working the way I think it should work. I like that. It can be the same with our kids and with parenting. It can be the, it's the same with business. Find something that you can think, now that is how I want it to work. I'm going to hang around someone who's got a vision for that and hopefully some of it will rub off on me. Have you noticed that vision rubs off? Vision is catching. It's, it's, sort of, it's like the flu, but in a good sense. You can catch it from someone who's got vision. So hang around visionary people that will empower it. Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I think that we need to really be attentive and intentional. Who do we let into our world? Who do we let speak into our heart? I should be friendly and open to all people, but I'm only going to let certain people speak into my inner world. And it's the people with the kind of attitude, the kind of faith, the kind of outlook on life that I find, you know, I think that's godly and that's attractive and that's going somewhere. It's got a sense of faith on it. It's got a sense of vision on it. That's who I want to speak into my heart. And then finally, visionary environments. Come on, we're talking about empowering Visionary environments, get, get somewhere that's inspiring and it'll actually inspire you. Hang around unfolding vision. That's for Sue and I. For years, we've gone to big conferences. And there's a reason for that. Because we get there and we go, that's, it's possible. I can remember a time when, you know, when we first were starting to go to the big Hillsong conference years ago, 20,000 Christians in one room just seemed impossible for a kid who came to Christ in 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, where a big church at that point was about 150 people, a really big one was about 300. So to gather with 20,000 plus Christians worshipping in one room lifted our vision for the church. Come on, what do you need your vision raised from? It could just, it might not be that. It might just, again, it might be the kind of family that you think, I want to raise a family like that. Then hang around a family that does it like that. Be good, bring food. <laughs> Understand what I mean? But get in the right environment. 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 4 through 8. I love this passage on the Queen of Sheba and Solomon. Just listen to the wording. It says, When the Queen of Sheba, who visited Solomon in his kingdom, when she saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he'd built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, literally the way they were dressed, his cupbearers and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, the way that he worshipped. It says she was overwhelmed 
And she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me in wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Man, I love that. She's come on an investigatory sort of investigatory or whatever that word should be. Uh, she's come on this expedition to see Solomon. And she's like, this is way beyond... I, I, and literally she's saying, I had to see it, to conceive it. I had to see it because even though it was told me, it, it did not impact me the way that being here has actually impacted me. And do you think that she actually just went away and said, well, that was a great experience? Went back to her officials and said, yeah, no, Israel's cool. Solomon's awesome. Or do you think she went back and said, come on, boys, get in the room. We've got to rethink our kingdom. <laughs> We've got to rethink the way that we do stuff. We've got to rethink the way we worship. We've got to rethink the way we dress our servants. We've got to rethink it all because I just saw something that I didn't even think was possible, but there's a man in Israel that's doing it by faith in his God. Man, that is what we need to be. We need to be in with the right people in the right environments. And this is one of the things that worries me about the whole COVID thing. I love the fact that we've gone online and we've become a accessible to so many more people but can I encourage you for our online family if you're in this area don't hang around the environment that can actually expand your thinking and the people that you can expand your thinking because you're just not going to get it all online we do our best to minister to you and I know there's some people, it is the only means they have of being in church and for some people, families, maybe with children, with illnesses or, or other things that are going on in their world, it is the best option and so I champion that but can I say, if you can get here, get here because there's something that unless you see it with your own eyes, unless you experience, unless you talk, the amazing people that are here, there's something that you can miss in all of it. Last thing, you ready for the end? Last thing is do something. Do something. Do something. Come on, we've been talking for weeks about getting a picture of a preferred tomorrow and moving towards it. And I want to encourage you. Proverbs 28 verse 19 says, He who tills his land... In other words, he who works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. And the, the, the writer of Proverbs is contrasting someone who's diligent to be doing something with someone who just wants to party and have fun. He's like, you know, if you diligently sow in, you diligently work the land, diligently work the ground that God's given you, whatever that is, it's different for each one of us. You diligently tend that, that you're going to have bread aplenty. You're not going to go hungry, but follow frivolity and your vision will dissipate and you will have nothing to show for your life. So do something, move toward the vision in practical ways. For some people here today, it might be education. 
Next step might just be, well, this is my vision, but I'm going to have to get... And there's great testimonies in this church of people who got a vision for preferred tomorrow and just went... Greg O'Sullivan's a brilliant guy to talk to who just got a vision for his future and he just went and got re-educated in alignment with his vision. For some of us, it could be our health, our diet. We need to attend our diet, our exercise, whatever it is, to live the life that we see we'd like to be living. For some, is it okay to be this practical? For some of us, it's savings and investment strategies, whatever it is, creating a resource base so that we can fulfil vision. For others, it's networking. It's actually getting with the right people, meeting the right people that are further down the track on a similar vision to you. For some of us, it's just simply volunteering. You might be sitting here going, I know God's got a ministry and I just can't wait till Pastor Chris asks me to preach one day. (laughs) It might not happen that way. But jump on a team and serve. Jump on a team and show you've got a heart to serve the house of God and allow him to elevate you. Can I encourage you? Just take a practical step toward vision. Just take a practical step to fulfilling destiny. Let's ask ourselves some questions as we finish. Are you okay? Very quiet. I gave you a couple of difficult things, a couple of encouraging things. I made sure I ended on the encouraging things. Okay, here's some questions for us to ask. And they're fairly straight questions. Do your appetites line up with your vision? See, Samson's didn't. His appetites took him in a different direction. And he ended up paying the ultimate price for it. Do your appetites line up with your vision? In other words, what you want to do, what you want, where you want to spend your time, where you want to invest... It's critical that you actually get passionate about your vision. And when you get passionate about it, you begin to sow toward it. Is anyone in your world dampening your sense of vision? Stop and think about it and think, you know, where does your vision bleed? Can you recognise whether certain people either energise or deflate your sense of faith and vision? And listen, that doesn't make them evil people. It just means you need to be guarded about what you allow them to speak into your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people we do need to take with a pinch of salt. The old saying. Some people we do need to go, okay, well then that's your opinion, but it doesn't go any further than my ears. I'm not letting that go through into my mind. I'm not going to meditate and rethink and rethink through what you said to me. I'm going to reject that because that's not going to empower my vision. That's going to de-energise it. And I'm going to guard my heart. Because this heart and this imagination belongs to God. Can you identify people in your world that champion your dreams? We should all have vision and dream champions. People that we know, if we talk to, they're just going to lift us up. They're just going to encourage us. No matter what's going on, they're just going to encourage us. Keep going. Keep going. You've had a setback. Keep going. And find people like that. Have you got people who will encourage your enthusiasm towards your vision? And then lastly, name one practical thing you're going to do right now towards your vision. Just stop and think about it. I mean, surely as I've spoken this morning, some things have come to mind. And it it might be like, I'm just definitely going to not let that get to my heart. And I'm definitely going to, this person always encourages me. I need to spend more time with them. It could be that practical. It could be one of the other steps I said, where you need to think about 
your education path, or you need to think about your resources, you need to think about your network, you need to think about, you know, whatever you need to, to, to do. But what's one thing that you can say, when I leave here today, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to do something about it. And, and honestly, if, if your vision level at the moment is a new front garden, praise God. Go from here to a landscape supplies or something. But just do something. Do something to move towards a preferred tomorrow. Because when we do that, we don't perish. We actually thrive. Humanity thrives on a sense of vision, a sense of hope that things can be different. As as difficult as it might be now, tomorrow can be different when I'm determined to live by vision a clear mental image of a preferred tomorrow and we move toward it together. Amen. Thus endeth the vision series. Would you stand with me today? And Father, we thank you. Lord, I just thank you for every heart, every life here. Really the the crucible of our inner world, our mind and our emotions and our will, our determination to make decisions and and Lord I just I just lift us all up to you and pray that you would speak to our hearts you would empower dreams you would give clear strategies you would help us to understand what's next just help us to even understand that for those that are confused those that have maybe had a bit of a blow help them just to see the next step as we're in your presence as we think about these things Lord, we want to be people that move in vision on every level of our lives, in our own personal world, in our key relationships around us, with our children, with our businesses, our employments, our education, whatever sphere of life. We want to be people who are moved by hope and vision in Jesus' name.